So Christy Montgomery, VP of Innovation at R&D with Kenco. Uh, what exactly does that mean? Like, like, I know you guys have an innovation lab. We've been working in there. What, uh, what's the goal of the program? So innovation in Kenco is all about identifying new technologies that could potentially transform the industry. Uh, taking those, bringing those to, into our lab, testing them, piloting them, partnering with customers to put them out in the field to pilot in a production facility, and then building a rollout program and implementation into our 120-ish facility. Do you, do you find that customers, like they're coming to you with a problem and saying, can, is, are there innovative ways to help us solve this? Or, or is it more exploratory? Like they're like, hey, we want to, we want to outsource Kenco to go out there and find the things that we should be thinking about. It's a little bit of both. So there is an expectation that we're out there looking at what's coming and looking at the future on their behalf. But there's also some, you know, they face some pretty significant challenges. And so they're bringing those to us and saying, help you solve it. Do you, of the challenges that they face, what are you hearing? Like, what are you is on your radar personally? And then maybe Kenco as an organization in terms of like the biggest challenges that are are there current or you see on the horizon? I think there's two. So current and has been for a while is the labor, the struggle with the labor market. Just the availability of labor, the resiliency of labor, the ability to recruit. You know, there's not near as many people coming out of college that want to be in our industry. So we're all fighting for the second group of people. And so um, just how do we address the shortage of labor within the market space is a big one. But then I think as we look to the future, um, what we're seeing is just how do we address the digital nature of what the supply chain is becoming and helping our customers get to that vision of the future. And I think, I think that the two things go well, like, and it just, not just in the realm of Phantom, but in general that as you're trying to use technology to solve this labor problem, you have to deal with innovative technology and that allows you to like, typically kind of transitions you to digital too, you know, so you can get the benefit on both sides. Uh, and I know we think a lot about that with Phantom and now you're doing a job from an operator console as opposed to on a vehicle. And, you know, as you know, like what we're trying to do is, is eliminate that geographic restriction to labor and then also open up to more labor pools, people that wouldn't sit on a vehicle or couldn't sit on a vehicle. Um, but they could be at an operator console, and I'm gonna dig into that a little bit more. Um, but the other thing on that that digital transformation journey, I think that over time there there should be uh, up, more upward mobility for someone at an operator console working remotely to solve problems in real time. Like if there's, if uh, you're trying to drop a pallet in a position, that pallet position is actually full when you arrive there. But if you're at a computer, you have the ability to solve that problem maybe in the WMS right there, and you can kind of take that job that was just like a point A to point B pallet job and turned it into like a technology job. But I want to dig into that diversifying the labor pool and trying to like make these jobs accessible to more people than it wasn't before. Because uh, I believe that was interesting to you in the beginning. Was. That's, that's a huge focus for us is how do we expand the labor pool? If we look at there's not going to be enough jobs in this market in 10 years. Okay, well, how do we expand that label? And so that was a huge focus for us. And all we had ever thought about before was how do we make this more attractive to a next generation? Uh, but then there's this other angle where it's like you can, you can broaden it. What about uh, your current labor force? 
do you have a sense for like what it looks like, like like demographics that are represented in your labor force currently? I mean, yeah, we are we are aging. Some of our group is aging out, of course, and then we also have you know uh, less young people coming into the workforce. But we also have a lot of um, transient workers. Best way to describe them: so gig workers. They want to work a couple hours a day. They don't want to have a full eight-hour shift. They just want to do a few things and then go. You know, right? And so. We see the, the mindset of the newer generations changing to more about, you know, I only work to live and that's not my generation's view, right? So, um, but this enables them to do that. I, I can work two or three hours a day or I can work eight hours a day if I want to, but I can be very flexible in my scheduling. And that's a, that's a key component of what we're hearing from our labor force now is we want flexibility. And in making what you're talking about with gig workers makes an awful lot of sense. Like we see, we, do a lot of analysis of the unemployment data that comes out on a quarterly basis. And it's funny because, you know, it's starting to, it's starting to loosen up a little bit with the exception of our space. <laughs> there has been no relief in supply chain and logistics uh, when it comes to unemployment. Uh, and I think when you look at it, it, we're just in this unique moment that we haven't had in history where like, it's hard to, it's hard to understand what gig workers mean to like our unemployment numbers and how we track these things as a government. Uh, but all we know is that this has not helped our industry. Like, like labor has not gotten better, which it usually would, right? Like in a, in a bad economy, then usually labor unemployment would increase, which would ease it up for us, right? We'd have more people available, uh, but it just doesn't seem to be happening. And I, I don't know if that's a, a moment in time or if that's just the way of the world going forward. Well, I've seen statistics where there's going to be a significant shortage in, in, you know, 10 years from now. So I think this is the way of the world. But I think we as, we as an industry have not made ourselves attractive to the outcoming workforce, right? And so um, I think this is going to be a challenge. And how do we help make this an attractive industry to work in? Yeah. And, and to your point, if I can make it fun, if I can make it more like a video game environment, you know, now I can start attracting a lot different generation. In terms of Phantom, uh, well, with two things. One, what was what first attracted you to Phantom? And two, if you projected forward a year or two or three uh, and everything goes well, how would you see it? What do you think the future looks like with Phantom and Kenko? Great question. So the attraction for me for for Phantom is always, I'm trying to solve my customers' problems, right? Um, I, I'm a big believer in innovation without execution is worthless. And so my customers are saying I'm facing labor challenges, I'm saying how do I solve those challenges? And so when we look at um, what Phantom was doing to alleviate this labor shortage, as well as one of our core tenants at Kenco is safety. And we wanna make our employees as safe as possible. And so when I move a person from being out on a production floor in an industrial environment to sitting behind a desk, that's a huge change for them from a safety stuff. Um, but then just being able to tackle the challenges of overtime. Now I don't have to have overtime. I can bring in this workforce that can provide workers. Um, attracting a newer generation that just not only about attracting them and having them in the warehouse, but think about how the newer generation thinks about life and, and is motivated to come up with new ideas of better ways of doing things. So now I'm bringing in a team that's going to help my customer be better, um, which is another core tenet of Kenco is to get better. And so one of our guiding principles. 
So I think it was, let me solve my customers' challenges, let me solve my own challenges. But also, as we see customers trying to transition to automation, there's a little bit of a fear factor at times to go fully autonomous. And what Phantom brings to the table is, okay, there's still a human in the picture, right? There's still somebody that can intervene and make sure that something goes wrong. It's not a drastic failure with a piece of automation crashing my rocks, right? There's still a human in control. And that's a comfort factor for a lot of my customers. So I think those were the attraction factors. Um, always efficiency, improvement, cost savings, of course. Um, when I look to the future, I mean, we see this as truly as a bridge to automation and automation is not capable of doing a lot of tasks because they require human thought process and subjective tasks, right? And so we see this as being, you know, a partnership with the workforce and with the automation to deliver a bounty to our customer. I love that. Everything about it. Christy, thank you. This is really great. Always great to see you. Thank you. Thank you.